What's up, y'all? Good morning. It is so good to see you and glad you're in out of the rain. Y'all braved some weather getting here this morning. So I am so, so grateful for you. And if you're joining us online from the comfort of your dry, warm place, we're glad you're with us as well. Um, I'm, there's a little bit of a, a tune going over here on the front row. I'm going <laughs> to break it down. Oh my goodness, y'all, we are in a new series, Discipleship Reimagined, or Reimagine Discipleship. We've come through this series called Reimagine New Beginnings, and so we are flowing out of reimagining new beginnings to reimagine discipleship as we are walking through the Gospel of Mark together. So just a quick recap on where we have been. We've been exploring the dawning of the new kingdom coming, a kingdom of heaven, the new light and dawn breaking into the darkness. This is the beginning of a new movement led by Jesus, inviting people to come, follow, to trust, demonstrating the power and authority that Jesus has over all of creation, the physical and the spiritual realms. And his followers, those who... We're going Valentine's Day, y'all. Right there at the (laughs) pink pink lighting. All right, I'm feeling it. That was the Galentine's lighting, Brooke. (laughs) Oh my goodness, his followers experienced the miracles and they're invited into a new way of life. So reimagining new beginnings is not right, the, the idea that new beginnings are not a thing of the past or something that happened back then, or that it is someplace far off in the future, but the new beginning of the right here and right now, that things don't have to be the way they always have been, that each day, that each moment is a new beginning. And it's an opportunity and an invitation to answer the call, to come, follow me. So today, discipleship, reimagine discipleship, what it means to then follow the way, to trust Jesus that we might follow the way. So discipleship, it is the process of becoming or being shaped and formed into the person or things we follow. We are all being shaped. We're all being formed in the process of becoming like something. The question is, what or who are we becoming? So we have the opportunity and the invitation from the King of Kings, the creator of the universe, to follow and be like him. Are we ready to say yes? First and foremost, if you've not said yes to Jesus, his call to come follow me, I want to reiterate that this invitation is for you today to come and follow Jesus. The new beginning can be yours today. And we would love to walk with you in that. But what happens after you say yes? to that call? What happens when you say, yes, I will follow? What happens when you drop your nets and what you're doing to go and follow the one 
who has called. It brings us to our passage of scripture for today. So I'm going to invite you to stand where you are. We're going to read this together. It'll be on the screen. Coming from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. Are we ready? All right. <laughs> nice. Someone has found it. Or someone has been found. I mean, this is miracles already today. All right, let's read this together. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So this is what happens after you say yes to Jesus. Is this a description of what you've been up to this weekend? Anybody? <laughs> okay, just, just checking. Uh, shaking the dust off has happened. Okay. <laughs> It's, that's real, real talk, Darren. Oh, my goodness. So when we read this, right, this description of following Jesus, this calling of the 12, for some of us, it's an exciting thought. It is energizing, invigorating view of what, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. For others of us in the room, it raises a lot of questions. Questions of if the way of Jesus is even real or possible today. And for others, it may even bring feelings of judgment or failure that we, didn't, that we don't feel worthy or that we're even capable of such things. In this, no matter how you are receiving that today, let the word Speak to your heart. And to better understand where this is coming from, first, we want to do a quick look back into discipleship in Jesus' day. What was discipleship? You know, discipleship is not a distinctly Christian thing. Right? Discipleship is actually something adopted from the world around them. That there is, there is becoming like whatever it is that we follow, right? For each of us, just as we already said, something is forming us and shaping us, becoming like something. And so the world around them had this structure. But for Jesus, and in the Jewish culture, picking up this idea of discipleship, of following, it's being raised up in the ways of a particular rabbi that started at a very early age. Kids would start memorizing the Torah, right? The first five books of our Bible, kids would start memorizing them at even six years old. 
the Torah. So Beit Sefar was this structure, almost like the elementary school of their day, to learn Torah, to actually memorize all of the words. Y'all, if you go home and memorize the first five books of your Bible, please let me know. But then there was a next step. Beit Talmud, which is in addition to memorizing the Torah and and being shaped and formed by it, it's also picking up the prophets and the Psalms to add that nearly all of our Old Testament at this point being memorized by kids 10 to 14, 15 years old. And then, then as we've talked a little bit about just a couple weeks ago, there is this application to continue on with a particular rabbi, a rabbi that you would want to be like. This is called Beit Midrash. And Beit Midrash is to actually apply and then have to go through a series of tests with a particular rabbi that you want to follow because you are applying to take on the teachings and not just the scriptures themselves, but this rabbi's interpretation of the scriptures. So this is what they would call the yoke of that rabbi, applying to take on the yoke of this particular teacher. And the rabbi would not take a chance on you if they did not believe that you could do what they did, that you could follow in their ways and do as they did. If you didn't get picked up by a rabbi, then you go back and learn the family business, right? You are working in the community, not on a track of discipleship in the temple or in the local synagogue. You are discipling as a fisherman, some folks that we might be familiar with in this story. And so, If you were chosen, you are following this rabbi so closely that there is this ancient blessing that comes to be. It says, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. That literally you are following so closely that the dust off of his sandals is coming onto you as you journey together. You would do all of life together. You would sleep where they slept. You would eat where they ate and eat what they ate so closely with the rabbi. And so if Jesus is our rabbi, Jesus is the rabbi to these 12 who he is calling and sending out to be called in all of the unique ways of each of the disciples' stories not along the lines of Beit Sefar, Beit Talmud, or Beit Midrash, but being called out of those unchosen places by other rabbis. Jesus, as the rabbi, would not call if he did not believe that you can become like him and that you can do as he did. The trouble is, y'all, we find ourselves today in a culture where it has become easy to be Christian in name only. I went there. 
You know, there's a ministry that inspires me in so many amazing ways. It's called Civil Righteousness. I've had the opportunity to meet their president and their lead pastor, Jonathan Tremaine Thomas. Civil Righteousness, an organization born out of St. Louis and really Ferguson. In the time of the Ferguson riots, felt a call from the Lord to go to Ferguson to minister the gospel, the good news in the midst of riots. Jonathan Tremaine Thomas says we want all of the glory and the goods of the kingdom just without the king. All the kingdom, the goods and the glory just without the king. So to be Christian in name only to say that we might claim it, we might give it lip service, but to not actually follow it. That is often how we find the state of discipleship today, even in our churches. But I think that that is shifting. There is a shift in our culture as we are looking for an authentic expression of the heart of God. It's easy to slip into this rut of believing we're a disciple because we said yes to Jesus some years ago. While in the last week, month, or year, we haven't really done anything to become more like him. Or that we prayed this prayer that saved us from our sin, and yes, that is an entry point. And while that may have been the moment of repentance and turning from a path that leads to death, it puts us on a path that we have the choice to walk that leads to life. I love that the earliest followers of Jesus were called the followers of the way. Follower is to be an active thing. To be a disciple is an active thing. It's not once, and then you are forever. It is an active participant thing. Literally, that the followers of Jesus and the followers of the way were following so closely that the dust off of Jesus' sandals might fall on them. And so might that dust of Jesus' sandals fall on us. And calling it the way. Y'all, where does the way end? You know, if we are on the way, there is a destination, but are we there? We are on the way. It keeps going. And sometimes it takes twists and turns that are unexpected, but it keeps going. And for that matter, where does it begin? Where do you find yourself on the way? For some of us, there is a marked moment that we made that pivot from death to life, that repentance moment of turning from one way to the way of God. For others, it has come over time, and it has been a gradual process that all of a sudden we look up and we're like, oh, I'm on this path. Okay. And we are following and walking along together. For others, sometimes we stumble onto this path and we're like, how did I get here? 
what is happening? We are on the way. The followers of Jesus on the way. You also, when I think about what this looks like and how the process of becoming one happens, I think of picking up a new sport or a new hobby. And so my Avery, a couple years ago, became a snowboarder. You know, so Avery, the first in our family to become a snowboarder. I learned to ski, snow ski, when I was six. Y'all, the thought of picking up a snowboard is crazy. <laughs> but she wanted to snowboard. And so, no one in our family could teach her. She started watching some YouTube videos, because that's what we do. When we don't know how to do something, we go to YouTube. But that can only take you so far to become right? So then we get, uh, back up one slide real quick, Brooke. She gets an instructor. We signed up for group lessons, and she was the only one in the group. It was the best. <laughs> My gosh. So she got one-on-one -on -one with this instructor, this teacher of the ways of snowboarding. And so down, right? Like, she is down on her knees, literally showing her, right? Talking through what's going to happen. But not just talking through it, getting to experience it together. And so, in a proud dad moment, here we go. Dang, you guys are good. That is amazing. Could you hear the encouragement from the instructor coming down the mountain, talking her through it, how to get there, how to do it? So not just, sh not just talking, not just teaching, but showing. And then to turn her loose on her own to send her out to be a snowboarder. <laughs> Lord, help us. But what if she doesn't snowboard for the next five years? Is she still a snowboarder? That's a question we'll ponder on Tuesday or in your small groups. <laughs> or is she a person who snowboarded? Right? The question for us, where are we? Are we following the ways of Jesus? This, what Avery did, right, is kind of like learning anything new. It takes time, and it takes practice, and it takes someone showing us. You know, I recently had the privilege of picking up pickleball, but only because I had Bob Stocking and Eddie Burgard <laughs> to show me the ways and I've been out to play a little on my own, but then I have to come back and I have to learn more from their ways. <laughs> if you want to play pickleball sometime, give me a shout. Um, <laughs> would love it. But it takes intentional work, right? 
I'm not going to get better at that. Avery's not going to get better at snowboarding without practicing, right? It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just come to us. And that's especially true in becoming like Jesus. We're in a world that is continually competing for our attention and offering us a distraction at every turn. And so are we pursuing the ways of Jesus, practicing the ways of Jesus in the same way that we might pick up a new sport or a new hobby? I often think that's a better way for us to think of it than we have to sit down and study. And it's, right, like there's part of that in the process. There are ways that we practice, but in community, together. How are we spending our time? How much attention are we giving to being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did? These three is a simple distillation, if you will, of discipleship. That discipleship are these three together, being with Jesus Becoming like Jesus, doing what Jesus did. There's this constant progression. It's all three of these together. The way for us, as a way for us to reimagine discipleship, these three, it's not a it's not just a building process. There's not a pinnacle in this process. It's not an achievement, but instead, it's continually drawing us deeper into the heart of God. That this is a spiral up, right? That these flow together. That you don't do one, then the other, then the next, right? But all three of them are in constant flow for the process of discipleship. It makes me think of the process that the ancient people of Israel went through as they were coming out of Egypt, right? That there is a miracle of the people coming out of Egypt, getting them out, the release of them, moving through the Red Sea. But then there is a long process of getting Egypt out of the people, the lies that they believed about themselves, their purpose, their practices, desires that would turn their hearts away from God instead of to him over and over again. The wilderness season is a process of becoming, being shaped and formed and prepared for the promised land. So I love that each and every one of you is here in this space. And I so hope you will be back next week and maybe bring a friend. But Sunday morning, just one day, just one hour, to be formed into the ways of Jesus is only a beginning place. This is a daily invitation for formation into the ways of Jesus. 
One of the places to start with us is this Wednesday morning, as Joel told us about Ash Wednesday. And we're going to have a service out here in the Varsity Chapel, and we invite you to come be a part of that, or to stop by and be um, imparted with the ashes. But Ash Wednesday is a place of a sobering reality, where we face our mortality, and that gets real, real quick. Y'all, that we remember that it is from the dust of the earth that we were formed, and it is to the dust of the earth that we will return. If that feels heavy for you, why do they put a fence around a cemetery? People are dying to get in. It's your dad joke for the day. All right, this... (laughs) The season of Lent, y'all, is not like this time that I really look forward to. It is, it is a heavy and hard season, and it is coming. It starts this Wednesday, but it's a time for us to consider, right? How are we practicing the ways? It's often a time that people practice in fasting, right? The 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Resurrection Sunday, there's some, some form of releasing the desires that we have for the things of this world and focusing our hearts and our minds on the things of heaven. And there are some practices. There are some ways that we do that. Fasting is one of them, and that's an invitation. You know, as we get into these series, I'm just going to confess that you guys are getting like what I'm getting on the formation side of things. So I'm in a book right now called Practicing the Way, and I commend it to you. If you are looking for something or some way to focus your heart on Jesus in this season of Lent, I invite you to pick it up. It's available in audiobook or paperback, however you want to do that. Um, I dropped a link, y'all. There's a section on our Sunday page of teaching resources. So if you go to lovechapelhill.com slash Sunday, scroll to the bottom. There's a teaching section that has today's uh, scripture, and it also has some additional resources. If you want to dig in a little bit deeper, you can find a link to Practicing the Way, the website um, of John Mark Comer, the author of the book, Practicing the Way. But in that, there are nine practices that we are invited into. And this is not a like, hey, you got to pick these things up and you got to do all of these things, right? It's, it's a formative process. If it feels like legalism or obligation, then we're probably not doing it quite right. It's an invitation for us to focus our hearts, to center ourselves. Those practices are Sabbath-keeping, rhythms of rest, prayer, setting aside time to pray. In prayer, that is two-way communication, as we've talked about before. There is, there is the talking, but there is the listening part of prayer. Fasting, solitude. Y'all, I have learned so much about solitude and setting time apart to quiet my heart in the woods or on the water. Reading scripture, 
being in community together. Practicing simplicity. Deciding maybe you don't have to click on that Instagram ad that's going to sell you one more thing. Simplicity. <laughs> generosity. How do we practice the generosity that God has given us? And hospitality. Maybe it requires that we swap one of these things out for some time on Netflix or Hulu over the next few weeks, months, years. Maybe it's setting aside intentional time for us to pursue the ways of Jesus. If you haven't watched The Chosen yet, that's another one that you can, if you need to like have some screen time, it's a good way to spend some screen time. And this particular passage that we are preaching on today in season three, y'all, they nail it. So if you're, if, you're, if you're there, you know it. And if you're not, if you haven't seen it, I, yes, you'll get there. I recommend it. But I know when I am out of balance on these things. I know when I am putting other things ahead of my own formation in the ways of Jesus. When my mind is consumed with thoughts of food... <laughs> When I, am, when I am following my stomach instead of the ways of Jesus. I know that I'm out of balance when I haven't been on the lake in a month. Y'all, if it is not a common part of my practice to be out and to practice solitude, where I literally get a lake to myself, especially in the winter. But I know if I'm not doing that, that I'm out of balance. When I see that my dogs are spending more time in my prayer space in my house than I am, and I have to clean the dog hair before I can kneel in the space that I have <laughs> committed for prayer in my house. And this is not a scale, y'all. This is not a legalism thing that one has to be greater than the other at any given time. But it is an invitation for us to evaluate our intentional actions, the day by day being with Jesus, becoming like him, and doing as he did. So back to our passage for today. Should we consider then that if the invitation, come follow me, is for us today as well. Shouldn't this go and do what you've seen me do also be real for us today? When we're with Jesus, when we're becoming like him, then yes, we should consider that we can do as he did. He believes we can and we will. We just have to trust him. What does it look like for us today to live a life of trust, doing the work of Jesus' ministry in our midst? Right, that they trust so much that they, right, they don't take an extra shirt, they don't take bread, they don't, y'all, that's my, like, breaking point. I'm like, I gotta have a snack down the road, Jesus. But they trust to go out as Jesus 
has showed them time and time again. Go and do what I have done. So absolutely, it looks like what we read here, casting out evil spirits, healing the sick, trusting that all we need will be provided. That looks like tangible expressions, even in our world today, where we are casting out demons like systemic racism in our midst and becoming people of unity and people of reconciliation. In those teaching resources, there's a link to civil righteousness as well. If you want to be inspired and give your time to something over this season of Lent, it's an amazing one, especially as we are in this Black History Month, remembering the tragic and devastating history of our nation and that which still exists today of those systems that flow out of chattel slavery through Jim Crow era and to us today. Y'all, it's being reminded even this year that it is 54 years, 50-something years since the civil rights movement There's work to be done. It also looks like casting out demons of substance abuse and addiction. That we proclaim freedom for the captives and that we get to be a community of people in recovery. It looks like being a place in a community of healing and helping to provide access to health care, to mental health care. All of this boils down for us to joining with Jesus in his Isaiah 61 mission, where he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the mission and ministry of Jesus that we get to do as he did. But we can't have the kingdom without the king. That we set aside intentional time to be with Jesus, that we might become like Jesus, that we might do as he did. So as we close today, I'm going to invite us to just step into a part of what's known as the Black National Anthem, or Lift Every Voice and Sing. The last stanzas of this anthem express so much of what we are in today, what we are experiencing today in our world, and what this passage of Scripture is calling us to. I'm going to invite you to stand as I share this with you.
Keep us forever in the path, we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Our hearts drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand. True to our God, true to our native land. It's acknowledging the reality of freedom opening the door for us, for each of us. And opening that door, we can get off the path. We can get off of the way. Pursuing our ways instead of God's ways. And the poet of this hymn, acknowledging that, And in so doing, asking God's grace to stay on the path that is true to God and to our native land. Friends, the native land for each of us, no matter where we are coming from, the color of our skin in this room, our native land is Eden. The place where heaven and earth overlap the place we were created for. And so as we prepare our hearts to come to the table today, I invite you to just take inventory. Are your daily practices moving you closer to our native land? Being shaped and formed by the ways of Jesus. Coming to the table is one of those practices. That's why we do it week after week. That we're reminded of what Jesus did on our behalf. That this practice of coming to the table acknowledges that we can't get back to Eden on our own. We need Jesus. We need his broken body his blood poured out for us that we might have the way, the way back to our native land. And so, friends, his body is broken for you. His blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin, for the new beginning for discipleship. And so as you come today, tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup and taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, if you need a gluten-free option, that is available here as well. I invite you to come to the table.